great to have you here this morning, and uh, I, I just want to give a little commercial for Thursday night. Uh, we plan to be here meeting as a family in the sanctuary uh, to begin our time of worship and communion, and then we will divide up in men and women's group and do our foot washing. If you've never been to one of those, I encourage you to come. Come and just fellowship with us. Whether you participate or not, come and just be a part of the fellowship. You will enjoy the time together, and it's a good time. In the season of the year when we reflect back on what Christ has done for us. And we want you to take that time on Thursday at 7 o'clock right here in the sanctuary. We'll begin that service and we want you to be a part of it. So we hope you'll come and be with us. I'm thinking of the story that I read not long ago of a, a teacher that was extremely enthusiastic. I like ex, ex, excited teachers who can really draw those children to them. This teacher was all excited. It was, a, it was a Sunday, and she said she looked across the class of four-year-olds and asked a question. She said she wanted to know, does anyone know what today is? One little four-year-old girl raised her finger and said, yes. She said, what is it? She said, it's Palm Sunday. That's wonderful. You know that. It's, it's exciting, isn't it? Then she said, well, what will it be next Sunday? And the same little girl raised her finger and said, it'll be Easter Sunday. That is so exciting. It's so wonderful. Now, does anybody know what Easter Sunday represents? And the same little girl raised her finger and said, yes. It means that Jesus was resurrected. And before the teacher could say anything else, she said, and if he doesn't see his shadow, in seven weeks he's gone back. Make sure we understand it all, okay? It's wonderful. Children have a way of being able to, to express things like none of us can. And I love children. I love to hear what they have to say. This morning being Palm Sunday, I want to share with you, and already Dick has shared one portion of that Scripture, but it's found in the 21st chapter of the book of Matthew, the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And I want to share this morning, uh, beginning down, I'll skip around through that chapter, but uh, I want to begin at verse number 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and you will find a donkey tied and with her a colt. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them, beginning verse 6, and they brought the donkey and the colt, and they placed cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the roadway, and the crowds went ahead of them, ahead of him, and those who followed shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth 
in Galilee. I want to talk to you this morning, I guess if I were to title it, and they always ask me to title it, Are You a Fan or Are You a Follower? On that Palm Sunday, we had two groups of people. We had fans and we had followers. And there's a big difference, you know. As I begin to think about this story, you know, crowds can be very fickle. If you think about it, you know, they can can run and jump and shout and roar energetically for the approval of on one occasion. I mean, they can just scream their lungs out. They're so excited and so fappy. And then on the next occasion, just a day or so later, they are screaming and yelling with hatred and revenge and chastising. You see, that's what happened on that Sunday, probably A.D. 30. I'm not sure of the exact date. But A.D. 30, back there, you know, this huge crowd enthusiastically lined the streets of Jerusalem. I mean, they were everywhere. And I thought about this as I began to watch the news for a few moments this morning, and they were showing all over the country all of these great crowds of people who were out there shouting and hollering and saying, gun control. I don't have any idea. I'm not involved in that. But but I thought about that. You know, there are those people... This is exactly what was happening in Jerusalem that day. They were shouting. They were excited. They, they just simply went to the top of their voices. Noise and excitement reached its high pitch when, as people began to push and strain and, and to catch a glimpse of this man riding on their small donkey. They began to want to get a glimpse of him. They wanted to see who he was and what he was doing there and what was going to transpire. And the Bible says that some waved their branches and others shouted with joy and and carpeted the streets with their coats they took off. And and those that didn't have a coat to take off were pulling branches from the trees and some that were waving the palm branches laid them down as a carpet for Him to ride into Jerusalem. And some began to say, Who is this man anyway? Who was this man that they were shouting about? They heard his name. They knew the city of his birth. But there was some undefinable, unknowing quality about this man. You see, this man that they were looking at was Jesus. He was both compassionate and yet controversial. When you think about Jesus, he was young, but he was extremely wise. He was a preaching itinerant, but at the same time, he was a a, a piercing uh, interrogator. On that spring Sunday morning, the crowds loudly hailed him as a public hero. They began to shout from the top of their voices, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. But before the week was out, many of the same people who cried out, Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. If you'll follow that Scripture on down through this week, a very important week, you will find that some of the same crowd, some of the same people that were shouting and were praising within a few days were crying in the same loud voices, only this time they were saying, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! You see, crowds can be very fickle. 
We are the same today. We find that there are many people. I had, I had a good friend when I pastored in Pennsylvania. Chuck Tanner. Chuck Tanner was a was the manager of the Pirates for a number of years. Led them to to championship games. Paul was saying one day, he said, you know, people are very fickle. He said, you know, when we won the national championship, he said there was people gathering everywhere. They were raising, they were waving their hands, they were reaching through the crowd to shake mine. They were handing me their programs, wanting me to sign them. But he said, you know, a few weeks later, we played another game and we lost. And the same crowd that wanted my signature, the same crowd that wanted to touch me, was looking at me, and some of them even trying to spit on me like I lost a game on purpose. People are fickle. I mean, we have in this world today, you know, fans are fickle. When you win, they love you. When you lose, you think you, you lost on purpose. But you know what? Many who came to see Jesus were fans. A smaller number of them were followers. The difference, you see, there is a difference. Masses flocked to see Jesus on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. You remember the story? Over 5,000 of them showed up. They came to hear Jesus. They came to see Him because He was going to do a miracle. He was going to take a loaf of bread and a few fishes and He was going to feed them. And He did. But you read the Scripture, the next day they came back. They came back for more of the food. They came back to see more of the miracle. And at that time, Jesus said, I want to teach you some principles. As Jesus began to teach rather than feed, the same crowd that gathered had left just as quickly as they came. Because, you see, they weren't interested in what He had to teach them. They were interested in what they could get. You know, we got crowds like that today that come to church. They come to church for what they can get. They come for what, 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 what can the preacher give me? What can the Sunday school teacher give me? What, what can the musicians give me? Rather than what can I do to support them? You see, that's the problem that Jesus was facing. The following day, the crowds returned and, and instead of Jesus providing bread, and fish for them. He taught them spiritual principles. But they wanted not to hear about those things. They weren't considering those teachings. You see, they walked away as quickly as they came. Jesus saw their selfish motives and He said, You seek Me not because you saw My miracles, but because you wanted to eat the loaves and the fish. And from that time forward, now notice that, from the, that time forward, when Jesus began to tell them they had to live up to the Scriptures, it says that some of them walked away. They never came back. They were fans. They were not followers. They walked away from Then Jesus asked the twelve, as He saw these people just leaving. I mean, you can imagine a, a trial, a group of people of 5,000 one day, and the next day the crowd just begins to walk away from you and walk away. And finally Jesus came to the twelve. He said, will you leave also? And of course, Peter, as I mentioned to you, Peter's always been the spokesman, always been the one that speaks up. And Peter said, Lord... To whom shall we go? 
Who are we going to go to? You know, you're asking us, but Peter said to the Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe that you are, and you surely are, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let me tell you something, church. There's where the difference comes in. The difference comes between fans and followers. Fans lack commitment. Fans want to be there for the hallelujahs, but they won't want to commit to say, I'll do anything for the Lord. They turn aside at the slightest excuse. The followers commit themselves to be faithful to the very end. I mean, I'm here for the good long haul. I'm here to continue on. I don't care what happens. I don't care what in the world happens around me. I want to tell you something. As I am committed to Jesus Christ, and in spite of whether anybody shows up or not, I'm going to stay true to the Lord. You see, because there's a difference between being committed as a follower than one that is just a fan. Jerusalem had both of them that day. They were filled, and they're everywhere today because fans are fickle and followers are few. Jesus ushered into Jerusalem that day a jubilant shouts of approval of ordinary deserved for, that really was deserved only for dignitaries, only those that, that were, that were in the political realm. That he marched as he came in that day, and they praised him and brought him. You know, they, they begin to see him. But Jesus came to Jerusalem, and, and he wanted to go to the temple. And the Bible says that with all this popularity, with all this praise, Jesus went to the temple, and he saw those that were selling and buying and cheating. And the Bible says that he threw them out of the temple, overturned the tables. He lost his popularity. (laughs) They didn't want to see that. How many times do we find that people who love us and love what we have until it comes time for us to make a commitment? It comes time for us to live up to what the Scripture says. He marched to the temple, drove out those crooked, abusive money changers, and they didn't, you know what? It did not improve his public opinion, but it did clean up the church. A short time later, Jesus left not the slightest doubt regarding his feelings towards religious people. Those that were in that temple that day, he, he began with the idea that, that you see, his teachings between the, the, the parade on Palm Sunday and down through that week to the crucifixion on Friday. It was one of those times that Jesus began to tell them what he thought of them. Wouldn't be too many preachers left today if, uh, if everybody pronounced what Jesus pronounced, but the Bible tells me that Jesus seven times pronounced woes on those scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. You can find it in the 23rd chapter. He accused them of being fools and blind guides five times. He told them that they were children of hell and full of uncleanness, and they were hypocrites. And then he denounced them and said, You serpents. You generation of vipers, you, you cannot escape the danger and the, and the end of, of the damnation of hell. Jesus told him what he saw in that temple. 
And you know what? Today, if we would really be honest, there's a lot of times we could even see that yet today. We can still see it all around us. You see fans rather than being followers. There's a vast difference between fans and followers. He was not de- deceived by superficial wealth, uh, 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 welfare that people had around them, the path that they were walking. And I began to think about this, you know. And I, I, you know, I, I was driving down the highway this last week and, and the last couple of weeks, and everywhere I go, I see these signs for Easter. Easter services. Easter is, a, is, is the most important day in the life of the church. It, it is Jesus telling us as He goes and dies for our sins and His blood covers us, and then He conquers not only sin in this life, but He conquers the grave. You would think that one thing we would want to do is to have a multitude of people coming out on Easter morning and just worshiping the Lord because of what He did. But we got so many fans today. I see signs in my town. I see them in your town. That we can't come on Easter morning. We got to come Saturday night. We can't even hold true to the gospel for the very morning that Jesus birthed us. You see, I consider people in those situations more of a fan than a follower. We can't deny, well, we've got all these things that are going, we got this family coming for breakfast, or we've got our kids that's going to do this, or our neighborhood does that. Let me tell you something. I think that sometimes we need to come to the realization, what's important in our life? As a follower of Christ, we need to follow Him all the way. Not only to the cross, but also to the tomb, and then that Sunday morning when he's resurrected. Now, let me give you something. It's not my notes. <laughs> but you know what? I saw thousands and thousands and thousands of people on television in D.C. yesterday. Young people that are being taught how to riot, how, how, to, how to stand and yell and scream and holler. And most of them don't even know why they're there. Somebody else paid their way to get them. There. Somebody else is feeding them while they're there. I wonder what would have happened if they would have taken that same group and went to Washington, D.C. and got on their face before God and prayed for our nation. You see, we yell about things. We scream about things. But we never pray and ask God to change it. You cannot change it. I cannot change it. Only God can change it. Now, that's extra. I gave that as a bonus. (laughs) Fans can be fickle. Fans, you know, they draw lolly. You see, he's not deceived by superficial fanfare which lacks depth and conviction and personal faithfulness and commitment. I mean, God wants this to happen in our lives. Jesus still holds people accountable even today. The Scripture says that every one of us shall give an account of himself or herself before God. You can't blame it on the preacher. You can't face God and say, well, Brother Swagger came in there and never told us about that. Let me tell you something. You've got it right here. It's not totally my responsibility for you to know it all. It's your responsibility to seek it out and see if I'm telling it right or not. Okay? Fans can cheer loudly. 
whenever things go on their way. But when the time comes to make commitment, they take flight. I, I tell you what, it amazes me. We, and we have wonderful worship services, but you know, I've been in some, I, I've been places where, oh, we get all enthused. I mean, we come into church and we stand for an hour and 15, an hour and 20, sometimes an hour and 30 minutes, and we get to singing from the top of our lung, and we're clapping our hands, and we're jumping up and down, and we're doing all these things, but when it comes time to get committed, when it comes time to get into the work and to get to doing what needs to be done, where are we? Yeah, how many of you remember this great speech that John F. Kennedy made? Kennedy made the statement, he said about in his speech, don't ask what the country can do for you, but ask what you can do for the country. I believe that in the church, don't ask the Lord, what can this church do for me? But ask, what can I do in this church for God? What can I do? And God sometimes says, sign up to cut the grass. Sometimes God says, get involved with Bible school. Sometimes God says, cook a meal for somebody. Sometimes God says, just pray for somebody. I remember Helen, an older lady who had been so faithful to one of the churches where I pastored, no longer could come anymore. And she was so discouraged about being sitting at home and feeling as though that she was letting God down. And she said, Pastor, there's just nothing I'm any good for anymore. I said, oh yes, Helen. Yes, there is. Let me come next week. And I brought the bulletin. And I said, read down through this prayer list. Now there's people on this prayer list you won't know. But there are people on here that you do know. You can put a face on them. I want you to pray for them. I want you to call them on the telephone. I'm going to tell you something. It was nothing for me to walk into the church and somebody said, Helen called me this week. Why? Because you see, she was not just a fan of the church. She wasn't just a fan of God. She was committed. She was a follower to the very end. My friend, we need to be followers. I talked to a friend of mine in Kentucky yesterday. He was talking about it. He said, he said, Brother Swoger, he said, I, you, you ever never going to quit, are you? And I said, no, because I'm a follower. As long as i got feet to walk, as long as i got a voice to speak, I'm going to keep going. Because there may come a day when I can't. And then when I can, I'll do it in my head. All right? I'll think about it. I'll think about you. You know, that's the difference between becoming followers, and fans. You see, we sing our courses. We clap our hands. We, have, we, we, we don't, many of those same people don't have a consistent prayer life. They get on a prayer chain just to get their name there, but they never take time to pray. And sometimes prayer chains can be a problem because sometimes they become more of a gossip thing than they become a prayer king. And so we need to be careful, my friend. We need to be able to do what's right. We wonder why we have no spiritual power. There, when we are, my friend, when the free bread is there and other blessings are there, we line up for it. But when it takes a stand for holy living, when it takes a stand for living up to our convictions, when it comes a time when we need to stay, that's what the Word of God says, that's what Jesus said, whether you believe it or I believe it, that's what He said and we ought to live it. The reason why we don't is because, you see, we're just fans. 
Thousands of people gather as fans, but what about the followers? Fans were there in Jerusalem on that triumphant entry into Jerusalem. But there was well-wishers. Where were those well-wishers? Where were they four days later when the Savior was on His place up the hill, struggling with that cross on His back, struggling with the sweat and beads of blood, when someone else had to carry that cross off. Where were they when Jesus went to Calvary? Where were those faithful followers then? Fans want comfort without commitment. Fans desire daily blessings, but won't submit to disciplined life. You know, there's some blessings you don't get until you discipline yourself. There's some things you have to be giving up. There's some things you have to do. But they'll not discipline. Fans seek healing, but they have little desire for holy living. Fans pursue miracles, but they'll not apply God's mandates to their lives. Fans want a crown, but they won't carry a cross. What I'm saying to you this morning is there's a difference. I hope you can see this. There's a difference in that crowd that day on that Palm Sunday. There were those that were broken. There were those that were crying. There were those that were disappointed because of the way they were treating their King, their Savior, their Lord. They followed Him. Those that were committed followed Him. They accompanied Him to the place of private private prayer prayer up in Gethsemane. Oh, I know some of you will say, well, they fell asleep on a bus. They did, but you know what? At least they went. That was more than the rest of the crowd did. Even though they got tired along the way, they still went. If you look at them as they followed Him, my friend, they, they, they not only followed Him up to, uh, to the place of prayer, but I want to tell you something. They also stumbled along the way when they, when they saw Jesus being beat and bloodied. When they saw them treating Him so terribly bad. You see, for a moment, terribly, they stumbled. But they came back. They repented and they said, Lord, wherever You go, we'll go with You. We'll follow You. They were true followers. They obeyed by waiting and praying for ten days to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We can't pray five minutes for the power of God to answer our prayers. For ten days they prayed in that upper room. They prayed and said, God, this is what Your Word said. We're here. We're here to stay until we hear from heaven. And when they heard from heaven ten days later, you know what happened. You know what happened to the church. I mean, it exploded because the Holy Spirit was upon them. What would happen in our church today if we had our followers that were filled with the power and the presence of Almighty God? That if we came into church on Sunday morning and said, God, we're, we're come, we're excited about seeing what you're going to do today. We're excited about seeing lives change. We're excited about seeing healings and by people's bodies. We're excited to hear new truths that can help us in our daily walk. What would happen in our church today if that would do? You see, there's a difference. They spent the remainder of their lives getting closer to God. They shared the good news. The Bible tells us that after they were filled with the Spirit and they began to preach, they preached to the then known world. They didn't know the world as we know it today. But to the corners that they knew, they had gone everywhere proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. The greatest difference between fans and followers is their final destiny. 
When I think about the final destiny, the destiny of true followers, they will reign with Christ in eternal kingdom in heaven. If I never get anything in this life, if I get nothing for the labor that I've done, let me tell you something, it will be worth it all just to see His face. It will be worth it all just to be able to know that I'm a part. I'm in the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm going to reign with Jesus throughout eternity. But you know what? The fans will also have to reign. The Bible says, He'll say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. I, I didn't even know who you were. I, I never heard from you. I've never seen you do anything that I've asked you to do. I've never, I've never seen you accomplish anything. And so when I begin to think about this, I ask the question, what will be the last word you hear on earth? Do you ever think about that? I hope and pray that the last words that every saint that's a follower of Jesus Christ that's in obedience to Him, that's living what they ought to be, that when that last day comes and those last few hours that they're hearing is still, and you know what? The hearing's the last thing to go. That's what they tell me. I don't know. I ain't been there. But they tell me that. And so the last thing that I'm going to hear is, hopefully, as long as I follow the Lord, is well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. But gee, if you're just a fan, you're still going to hear. And you may hear those words, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. For I don't know who you are. You see, we need to know whether we're a fan or a follower. A follower will do whatever God asks him to do. A follower will be obedient to the Word of God, whatever you read in that Word, whether you understand it or not, you're going to have to obey it because you're going to be judged by it. Tony Campalo tells an interesting story about a follower of Christ. He said everybody ought to be a counselor at some time to a junior high work camp. You know what he said about junior high kids? He said, you know, they have one goal in life. And that's to tease the life out of everybody they can. I mean, they're just going to tease them. They're just going to tease them and tease them. And he said, I was a counselor at this camp. And he said, in this boys' camp, he said, in the group, they set them off in groups of six. And they have them in this little house, six. And in this house of this six, there was a little boy named Billy who had cerebral palsy. Billy loved Jesus. I mean, he was thrilled about knowing Jesus. He knew Him in his heart, even though his body was all crippled up. He went to youth camp. And these boys, being junior high boys, they watched how Billy walked. And they would stay behind him and they'd let him walk out there and he'd be stumbling and they'd all be behind them, and they're laughing, and pretty soon they're starting to try to mimic them, and they're walking like them. He said, I saw this go on for four days during that camp. Tony said, it just got to me. I got so irate. He said, I almost lost my salvation. He said, I wanted to go over there and hammer those kids. But he said, you know, 
It finally came the day that their little dorm would lead devotions. And when they announced who was going to be the one to lead the devotions, they said, Billy's going to lead our devotions. He said, I knew right then and there they didn't want Billy leading the devotions because of his spiritual life. They wanted Billy up there so that the rest of the camp could make fun of him. But Billy accepted it because he was a follower of Christ. He knew Jesus. Couldn't talk well. But came the day, he said, I watched them as they gathered in. And he said, there's probably 150, 200 kids in this auditorium. And, and now it's Billy. They announced who this room, this camp, this group is going to lead devotions today. And they said, Billy has been chosen to be the one. As he began to walk towards the platform, he said it took him five minutes to get from his seat to get to the platform. As he began to walk and... As, as you know, as you would with the problems that you have, and he, he was having difficulty, and, and, and all back here they begin to giggle, they begin to laugh, they begin to make fun of what was going on. When he finally got up, some of the, one of the adults on the platform took his hand and, and another, and they helped them on up and got him over to the podium. And when he looked out at the crowd that was there, he began to speak to them. Now, Billy wasn't a loudmouth like me. And Billy couldn't, he, he couldn't say words fast. And so when they got him up to that pulpit and he began to talk, he stood there and he said, I, 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 I want, want to, tell, to, to tell you a, a, a love story. He said, Jesus, Jesus loves me. And then tears began to drip off his cheek. And he said, I, 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 I love Jesus. I love Jesus because He does good, 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 good things for me. Tony said, I look back at that crowd, junior high boys, that had been giggling and laughing, and now they're bawling. Tears streaming down their face. He said that boy that day set off a revival in that youth camp. And Tony Campalo travels the world, as you know, and he said, I go places all over the world. He said, I meet kids, I meet young men that says, I, I remember you. Do you remember that youth camp when I was in the fourth grade? He said, I got saved and God called me to ministry. He said, everywhere I went, Missions, evangelists, missionary. That was the greatest revival they ever had. And it came from a boy with cerebral palsy who most of us, if we had it, said we couldn't do nothing. And I begin to think, Billy was not a fan. He was a follower of Jesus. If you're following Jesus today, 
Be thankful that you can talk. Be thankful that you can get up out of a seat. Be thankful that you have a mind you can think with. Be thankful you have a mind that will work, that you can help do something in the kingdom. God will use whatever He has available. In fact, the Bible says if He can't get you to talk, if nobody else will preach it, the rocks will cry out. Let me tell you something, church. Every person in this church this morning, I want you to know as a follower of Christ, He has something for you to do. I don't know what it is. And you may not know at this moment, but if you'll get on your face before God and you'll dedicate yourself and say, God, here I am. Fill me with Your Spirit. Use me. I want to tell you, we would see a revival in this community. Because there's people all around us that need Christ. But what are you doing? Oh, we beg for ushers. We beg for people to sing. We beg for people to play an instrument. We beg for people to, to take time to pray for people that are on our prayer list. We, we beg for all these things, my friend. We shouldn't have to. We should have so many of them going on, we'd have to set up a list. You see what I'm saying? I mean, if you've got any mechanical ability, you can run a lawnmower. You can run a weed eater. You can spread a fertilizer. I got I got a couple of boys that that, 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 that that I taught spread fertilizer. I got one of the neighbors on my street yesterday said, "When them boys are ready, come over and have them spread that fertilizer for me." Now they're just little kids, but they're learning and they're willing, and that's the way we ought to be in the kingdom. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, that's what I'll do. That's all I've done all my life. Is if God opened the door, I felt like He opened the door. I ought to walk through it. I believe today, on this Palm Sunday, instead of waving branches, instead of shouting hallelujah, instead of saying, blessed is He that comes in the name of the Lord, we ought to be able to say, blessed is He who comes to our heart and made us who we are. This morning, we're going to be closing, but I want to tell you something. I believe that this morning, right in this audience this morning, that there are people that want to get from fans to followers. You want to get out of the stands and get down on the field. You know, that's what exactly what Kennedy was talking about. You know, you got, you got a few ball players down here on the field, and man, you're in the stands, you're clapping, you're having a great time, you're telling them how to play the ball game, you're trying to know how to do it, but you're not taking none of the bumps, you're not taking none of the bruises, you're not getting beat to death. Because you're sitting in the stands. Let me tell you something. Get down on the field. Get in the game. You get in the game, you understand what other people are going through. You understand what's happening. My challenge to you this morning is you need to say, Lord Jesus, whatever, whatever there is that's a need in, in, in Sugar Creek, in Bar's Mills, let me in on it, Lord. Let me be a part of it. I want to bless the people in this community. I want to be used of God. He'll use you today if you'll commit. I'm not asking you to raise palms and, and run down the street, but I'm going to ask you this. If you really want that this morning, all you need to do is open your heart and say, God, at this altar today, I want to start anew. I want to become not a fan. I want to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm willing to go and do whatever you want me to do, wherever it is. And I believe God will answer that prayer this morning as we stand together and sing. Father, this morning we thank you for the Palm Sunday, for what we've learned from this lesson. 
Lord, we just pray today that you would speak to hearts and lives right here in this building. Lord, there might be men and women and even boys and girls. We, we're such a need today of, of people feeling the call to missions, the call to ministry, the call to evangelism. And yet, Lord, we have so few because, Lord, we, we're not challenging them. We ask today, Lord, for young people to even think in their hearts and their minds and pray and say, God, what is it that you want me to do in my life? Father, let this be a new starting point for them. Bless those that are here today. Whatever their need might be, we ask, Lord, You would help them to step out and take that moment at this altar and say, God, I'm here. I want You to make me a true follower of You. And for this, we'll give You the thanks. In Christ's name we pray. Will You come as we sing?